Our first reading for this, the fourth Sunday of Easter, comes from the Acts of the Apostles, the fourth chapter. As Peter and John were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed, because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in their midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Christ has risen from the dead. He has given him dominion over the works of his hands. The epistle reading comes from the first letter of John, the third chapter. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in them. And by this we know that he abides in us, by the Spirit whom he has given us. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel, which serves as the text for our sermon this morning, comes to us according to St. John, the 10th chapter. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. 
No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you ever been given the duty of being a chaperone? It's difficult work, isn't it? I think back to some of the field trips and journeys that I took when I was in high school, and I feel kind of sorry for the teachers and parents who were tasked with chaperoning our groups. I mean, we weren't hooligans or criminals. We weren't sneaking out to go drinking or having illicit rendezvous because by the grace of God, most of us knew the dangers of those things and really didn't have much interest in them. And yet, more than once, when our trip came to an end, our chaperones expressed this certain joy that we just didn't quite understand. There was a trip that I remember well when we took a bus from the Black Hills of South Dakota to the International Youth Gathering being held in New Orleans. And that's a long trip. The bus was driving straight through with very few stops along the way. And as high school students, we had been to health class. And so we knew that it was very important to stretch your legs from time to time, to move around a little bit to prevent clots and cramps and all the other bad things that could happen. And so being young and limber, we decided that the best way to do this was through cooler surfing. Standing in kind of a surfer position on the coolers in the middle of the aisle of the bus, trying to keep our balance as the bus went over bumps and around turns, and every time we fell, even though those of us who fell were laughing maniacally, and sometimes even the people we fell on, the adults said that maybe we shouldn't do that anymore. I mean, here we were being health conscious, but the chaperones just didn't seem to approve. And it wasn't just church group chaperones who had to suffer either. I remember when our high school science club took a trip to Denver. Now, these are the kids who voluntarily stayed after school to discuss science, who actually enjoyed balancing chemical equations and reciting scientific names of various plants and animals. How much trouble could kids like that possibly give to chaperones? Well, one particularly long-haired member of our group decided that he needed to journey to the girls' hotel room early in the morning to borrow some conditioner. And being a cold morning and having no jacket, he wrapped up in a hotel comforter to walk along the outdoor corridor of the motel. And being spotted by someone, word was sent back to the adults that this individual was wearing nothing but the comforter. Now, in truth, I... He... He was fully clothed, had called ahead to make sure that everyone else was, and had absolutely nothing untoward in mind. And yet, the poor chaperones still developed a few extra gray hairs. And we were the good kids. Being a chaperone is hard work. Because your main task is to stop all that kind of nonsense, or at least contain it as much as possible. Ride herd on those wild monkeys and make sure that their behavior is at least acceptable, that they at least survive the trip. No matter what age you're watching, being a chaperone actually consists mostly of denying your charges permission to do the things that they really want to do. No, you can't use the hotel mattresses to build a fort. 
No, you and your girlfriend cannot go exploring Bourbon Street all by yourself. Yes, you do have to wear pants all day. You're kind of like a parent on steroids, making sure that everyone comes back safely and nobody needs to exchange any insurance information along the trip. Now, oftentimes, even as Christians, we see Jesus in this light. We see Jesus as a chaperone. Someone that we have to check in with from time to time as we're required so that we don't get in trouble. We have certain times that you have to go talk with him. Otherwise, ooh, the trip is going to be bad. Someone who's kind of lurking in the background to watch us and make sure that we behave, waiting to pounce on any kind of wrongdoing and going, aha, I caught you. We hear the voice of Jesus and it sounds an awful lot like that classic Bill Cosby routine. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Come back here, come back here, come back here. Don't make me come down there now. And because of that, because we think of Jesus in that light, Jesus becomes someone that we kind of resent. Because we think he's just there to keep us from having so much fun. He's just there to make sure that we don't do anything that he wouldn't do. Everything that we think is good and fun as people, he says no to. Sexual sin. Gluttony, stealing and cheating, fighting with one another, lying, gossiping, abusing his name. These are things that come very naturally to us, and they're things that we're very good at, and they're things that we as sinners like to do. And yet, there's Jesus, standing behind us all the time, wagging his finger, tisk, 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 you can't do that. That's how many, many people see Jesus in their life and in the lives of others. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. He is the ever-watchful eye of Big Brother, keeping his people in a nice, clean, orderly, boring line, shaming those who do wrong and threatening them with the fires of hell if they don't get into shape. Now, if you see Jesus like that, as the supreme chaperone. Is there any love for him? Of course not. There might be respect. There's definitely fear. But there's no real love. We might behave out of a sense of guilt or to avoid a smiting. But our outward actions are just covering up our inward resentment and even hatred of God. If Jesus is nothing but a chaperone, just a divine policeman making sure that everyone toes the line, well, then he's nothing more than a tyrant, forcing his will upon his minions under pain of punishment. But thankfully, Jesus is not a mere chaperone, not a hired hand who lays down the law but then flees at the first sign of danger. Jesus is the good shepherd, the door that leads to eternal life. He is our Messiah and our Savior. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them into good pasture, not driving them with a stick and threats, not taking them to the worst place possible and saying, let's see how they deal with this, but lovingly calling us with his word, his promise of peace and salvation. Jesus is not just our chaperone. He is our shepherd. And yes, as the shepherd of sinful, rebellious sheep, there are times when his actions seem hurtful and even hateful to us sinners. 
as we go plunging headlong toward a cliff, thinking that'll be fun, and he pulls us back with his crook, we fight and we struggle and we complain, not realizing the danger that he's keeping us from. When his law confronts our sinful ways and tells us that we must repent and turn from our sin, we bleat and we moan and we accuse him of being a boring old fuddy-duddy who needs to get with the times. Rather than let us wander from the flock to be devoured by wolves, our good shepherd pulls us back. He lifts us and carries us back to safety, even as we fight and struggle and claim that he doesn't understand and he doesn't get it and he doesn't know what it's like. He knows. Jesus is our shepherd who loves us, who cares for us, who provides everything for us. And whether we recognize it or not, did you know that boundaries are a blessing? That his commandments are not only pleasing to him, but they also keep us from great harm and danger. Growing up, did your parents ever give you rules? Did they ever discipline you when you did wrong? Well, of course they did. Why? To force their will upon you and to make you prove that you love them? No, that's not it. It was for your own good, even if you didn't always see it that way. And now, rather than hate them, you appreciate them and you respect them. You celebrate their presence in your life, not just on Mother's Day and Father's Day, but always because it made you a decent person. It taught you right from wrong. It kept you from so much pain and danger in the world. In the same way, we celebrate the presence and guidance of Jesus Christ in our lives each and every day. He takes the time and, let's face it, the monumental effort to guide and direct us and keep us from our own terrible self-destruction. When we learn from his word and we change our lives accordingly, we are blessed in so many ways. We are blessed as we avoid so much earthly heartache and punishment. We are blessed to know that we are living in a way that is pleasing to our Heavenly Father, walking in the path of righteousness that he is leading us on. We are blessed to be strengthened in our Christian faith as we see the outcome of his ways are far better than the ways of the world. And we are blessed as we share God's word with those who are lost in the darkness by living out his holy light within our lives. But of course, our blessings don't depend on how well we behave and obey. If that were the case, well then we're right back under the thumb of a tyrannical chaperone once again. But Jesus, our good shepherd, loves us and blesses us and forgives us. Even when we disobey Even when we willingly plunge headlong into the deepest of sin, Jesus comes to us, seeks us out, speaks his word to us, washes us clean of our guilt, strengthens us, builds us back up, and carries us back to the flock of safety. He's more than just a hired hand who watches the sheep because he has to. Jesus is our good shepherd, willing to lay down his life for us sheep. Not just as a grand gesture of total dedication and commitment. He did it to forgive us. To cleanse us of our wrongdoing. To take away our guilt completely. To make us holy and spotless even though we are not. He did it to restore us as his own holy people. To give us life. 
He died and He rose again to cleanse us of every one of our sins. Every time we foolishly wandered away, every time we looked the good shepherd in the eye and said, I don't care what you say, I'm doing it anyway. His sacrifice gives us not just hope, not just a good set of rules to follow, but the guarantee of everlasting life in heaven. All who look to Him in faith, all who know that He is indeed the good shepherd, who hear His voice, they are saved. And just as He rose from the grave, our bodies too will rise to eternal life in heaven, to dwell there with Him and with all the saints in perfect paradise. No more sin, no more sorrow, no more temptation to rebel. Only the glorious truth of God's eternal presence with us as we see the Good Shepherd face to face and have everything provided for us. He came that we may have life and have it abundantly. Not indulging in every carnal pleasure and depraved lust, because that's not a full life, no matter what the world tries to say. That's the lie of the devil that winds up destroying lives. Sin is not fun and good. It is destructive and painful and terrible to you and to those around you. But through the cross and empty tomb of Jesus Christ, we are given real life to the fullest, eternal life in heaven, and earthly life filled with blessing upon blessing. The blessing of God's guidance to keep us from pain and suffering. The blessing of God's protection as he spares us from the heartache the world wants to deliver to us. The blessing of God's forgiveness as when we fail him, he does not simply reprimand us like a chaperone, but forgives us and loves us. By his death, by his resurrection, we have the absolute guarantee of eternal life in heaven for all those who hear the voice of the Good Shepherd who leads us even now as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now that doesn't mean life is going to be perfect. It's still a scary place and there's still a lot of problems and we are still stubborn, sinful sheep. God never promises any kind of paradise here on earth. But even in our suffering, we can rejoice, knowing that in all things our shepherd cares for us, loves us, is willing to lay down his life for us, through Him and through Him alone, we are given salvation, freedom, and the undeserved gift of eternal forgiveness. He's not just a chaperone yelling at us to behave or else. He is our Lord, our Savior, our Good Shepherd. He is the one who suffered and died in your place. He is the one who rose again from the grave so that you too will rise. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. For by his cross alone, by his empty tomb alone, you are forgiven of every one of your sins, and eternal life in heaven is yours. To God alone be all glory, now and forever. Amen.